Miracy. It wasn't that long ago that online courses themselves were an experimental thing that you had to kind of push yourself to experiment with. And there were a lot of rough edges at first if you wanted to catch that wave. And so now that online courses are more mature, that wave is kind of crested. It, like it's time, I think, for people who want to stay on the leading edge as creators, as thought leaders, as providers of expertise and coaching to start experimenting with, okay, what is coming next? Hello and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Ari Ini, the Director of Growth at Miracy, and I'm here with my co-host, Abe Crystal, the co-founder of Rizuku. Hey, Abe. Hey there, Ari. In each episode of Course Lab, we showcase a course and creator who is doing something really interesting, either with the architecture of their course or the business model behind it, or both. Today, we welcome Alexander Price to the show. Alexander is an educator and coach, as well as the founder of Pacelayer 4X Technologies. Thanks for joining us today, Alexander. Hello. So to kick us off, could you give us a kind of a 30,000 foot view of yourself and how you've come to the course world? Yeah, sure. You might hear it from my accent. I'm uh, born and raised in Germany. I'm an engineer from trade and uh, worked 20 years in the aerospace and the railway sector before becoming an independent consultant. The pivot point was three years ago when we incorporated our business. We deliver coaching and uh, technology advisory for engineering firms, mostly in the field of technical innovation. So we help engineering teams to build better products and to be more innovative with their upcoming products. That brought me then to the course building lab because we can leverage the courses to coach and educate our clients. Got it. So the clients that you have are mainly organizations. So you're creating courses that you are then working with the engineers in these organizations. And can you tell us a little bit more about what you teach and how you support the people in these organizations? So, and as you said, Ari, we are in the B2B business, so we are selling into organizations. Typically, we have clients coming with the mandate that they want to be innovative on their next product line, but they don't really know how. So they're really focused on the day-to-day -day business, and they need somebody to pull them out to advise them and teach them the methodologies to get most out of the creativity that the engineering teams already have. So our role is really to get it out of the brain and bring the concepts to life and also then guide the way so that the organizational problems can be overcome so that they have really a clear innovation roadmap at the end and they can start executing them successfully. So that is the role and the task that we have. And of course, our time with the clients is limited. Not always everyone from the engineering team can be present. But with a course, they can basically get the basic concepts. Interesting. And so from what I'm understanding, you're essentially teaching how to think in innovative ways, solve problems. It feels like a bit of a nebulous skill to help people kind of learn. Right. And innovation is a very, very broad topic. And because we are dealing with engineering company and technical companies, like our niche really is on technical innovation or invention as well. So here we are not so much in the nebulous brainstorming and suddenly I have the aha moment thing, but this is really structured problem solving, mm. reframing the problems, uh, doing a deep dive, uh, root cause analysis, analyzing technology trends and bring that all to life. 
So really the niche that we are focusing on in our boutique consultancy is really technical inventions, technical problem solving, technology roadmap implementation, monitoring, seeing what type of technologies are out there and which are mature enough. Right? There's a lot of talk and buzz, but in order for technology to be implemented in a product that we use, like a car, like a train, like a plane, you need a certain level of maturity. And so you really need to find the exact timing when your engineering team should start engaging with this technology. The thing that everyone is talking about is generative AI, right? From a technology standpoint, we advise embrace the technology. It's not that yet there to be reliable implemented in the organization. But all the signs speak that within the matter of months, all these technical problems and the hallucination will be solved. So right now for this type of technology, we are already engaging with clients, help them preparing to get on the train. We are observing same time the different models, the different tools that are out there. And once we see now it can be reliably used in an engineering context, we say, here, let's go, right? So that, I hope, makes it a bit more tangible. And that is something that everyone is speaking about this year. Something that I'm curious about is... Essentially, how do you assess the threshold? And also just to clarify a term Alexander was using, which is hallucinations from generative AI. So that's essentially when it just makes stuff up is the layman translation of that. So what is the threshold that you use or that you think about? I mean, and I'm sure the threshold changes based on the industry. So if a technology is ripe enough to go into a car is very different than whether it's okay for an entrepreneur to try using on their site or with a client. And so how do you think about the threshold to implement a new technology in your business or in any certain place? We have to differentiate whether technology will be used in a product like a machine or a train or plane car. There we have a concept that is called technology readiness level, TRL level, normally from zero to 10. And you go up from, okay, it's the idea is there. That's level one. Then you have an idea concept or solution concept that's level two and three. And then basically in level four and five, you have like a working prototype, but it's not ready to get into a technological product unless you have proven it can be produced reliably, consistently, and it's not failing. And that is normally at the technology level eight and nine, and then you can really put it into the um, product. Now, in terms of teaching, it's a bit different because there's no safety involved in the teaching like it like it is in a plane or train or car. And there you really need to differentiate between the different uh, use cases. Hallucination or the lame, how did you say, Eric? The, the lame. The layman's term. It can be a bug, right? If you have it in an engineering system that should give you always the same reliable results, then it's a bug. If you use it in innovation class, like we use it, It's a feature because hallucination, you can reframe, that's creativity, that's out-of-the-box thinking. That is something that, and we see that with ChatGPT, you can prompt it several times and every time there's a new answer because it's generative AI. For generating new ideas, that is exactly what we do. We really ramp up the creativity or the hallucination factor of ChatGPT and we let it generate ideas. And that is a creativity source that otherwise you wouldn't have kept. So hallucination becomes, in a brainstorming exercise supported by AI, a feature. 
And hence, we use it as well in our innovation workshops. We are piloting right now a series of, we call it innovation dialogues. So these are a series of different AI-infused conversations that an innovator can use in order to have a more productive, more efficient innovation process. One of these conversations is a crazy out-of-the-box thinking conversation. And you trigger the model with your initial idea and it's building out new ideas based on that. So we are leveraging that and it's perfectly fine for these innovation workshops. You don't want when we have the business case or use case creation, then you don't want to have hallucination. There we really make sure that the model is very tightly adjusted, that we only have facts, uh, data, calculations infused that really make sense and it's not like crazy, crazy woohoo, right? So for this business case, application. We use it as well. You can create a report, but you need to have a strong supervision by a human expert that really makes sure that the facts and data are fine. So generative AI for teaching purposes and supporting purposes, it's fine in order to get really into an engineering solution. It's not yet there. Right? And we are monitoring, but so far this hallucination problem I've seen not sufficiently solved that we can use it in a reliable way in an engineering system. I mean, so for people listening who are creating their own courses or want to create their own courses, do you have any suggestions in terms of how they should yeah. think about and start using AI in their course creation or to work with their students in new ways? Some <laughs> own experience. We started off in February, March, and it was mostly online. We had like small workshops, small groups trying out didn't understand the technology right at that time. And sometimes we really failed in implementing the desired results. Starting June, July this year, we pivoted to really in-person workshops because we need to observe people, how they interact with generative AI. And there are things, how do you engage in a group brainstorming, a group session with generative AI? And what we found is it's hindering the group thinking process because two or three people that are tagged with using generative AI or the chat, but they're taken out of the conversation. They're staring at the screen and destroys the team dynamic. So we just had one workshop this afternoon, part of the pilot, and believe it or not, we had the rule, no AI allowed in the room. And it was a, an AI-infused innovation workshop. So how come that we implemented that rule? Because we found that people stop thinking, right? So that is something and advice I could give. Number one, observe your clients or your students exactly how they use the technology and find out where they struggle with. So in a one-to-one -one interaction, ChatGPT is fine. In a group interaction, you need to really moderate it and make sure that you don't destroy the group dynamics. So how would like a course creator use that to help them generate their course or to do other things? Basically, you have an existing body of knowledge and the way we're using um, ChatGPT or Generative AI, we use it to activate this explicit knowledge. So you have, in other words, a methodology. You pre-train the model with this methodology. And then in the conversation, it takes you through the different steps in implementing the methodology. So it takes you and guides you in an artificial intelligence-infused conversation how to perform the brainstorming, how to do the five whys how to do whatever proven methods there are out there. So the term we use is activate your knowledge 
And your knowledge in this case is your secret sauce as a course creator, this book in which this methodology is described. And basically, as a course creator, you can configure like a conversation that is helping your clients translating your generic knowledge into their context. And that is where we see the power of these AI-infused conversations. It's helping your clients to apply what you have to teach in their context. Are you saying that I could, for example, create an exercise for my students to go out and use ChatGPT or another publicly available tool and have some dialogue with that? Like, hey, ChatGPT, can you give me a mindfulness exercise I can do while walking? or something like that, is like to engage students in using the tools? Not just any mindfulness exercise. What you want is your specific special exercise that you have come up with as part of your service, right? So if you're prompting GPT just like that, it will go out and look for some mindfulness exercises, and that will result in the hallucination and the disappointment that it's not delivering what you want. However, if you pre-train on your specific Abe mindfulness exercise and you advise the model or you tell the model just using this exercise, plus you're describing the step-by-step approach how to guide your clients through that, then it will do exactly that. And it will not using any other idea of mindfulness exercise with your clients, but it's really like enacting your body of knowledge, your mindfulness exercise with your twist with your clients. And by the way, in any language, which is also nice, right? You can have it in German, like you teach it in English, but it could do it in Spanish, German, French, and whatever. So it's something that do they need to go and actively pre-train or you go and do it and you send them to a specific place where, okay, here's the pre-trained model that's ready to start taking you through the exercise. That's the idea of the innovators dialogue that I just mentioned and that we are piloting. So we are pre-training the conversations. We are observing how our students are interacting with this pre-trained conversation. We see where they struggle and we see where where it goes well. And then we adapt the conversation within the fine-tuning of the model in the background to optimize that. So you need a little bit of pre-training. It's working quite well with let's say, smaller body of knowledges, like maybe 20 pages, 15 pages, like one chapter in a book. We run right now, if you want to configure your model on an entire library or a big book, then we would run into problem and then we would need to really train a model and basically replace that GPT by this newly trained model. Very cool. So my last question for you is, where can our audience go to learn more about you? Yeah. Number one, I love connecting with you on LinkedIn. So Alexander Price, P4X.ai. You find me on LinkedIn. As I said, we are Berlin-based consultancy and we have the website. It's called P4X.ai. And there you can learn about our programs and we start promoting the Innovators Dialogue as well. So we have some good news for you. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alex. This has been fascinating. Awesome. Okay. Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and Ari will pull out the best takeaways for you to apply to your course.
All right, Ari, it's time for the debrief. A lot to unpack here. Alex, is, he's a big thinker, had some big ideas. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, I think that there are a lot of really cool ideas in what he talked about, and some of it would be possibly difficult to implement for kind of the layperson, unless, you know, they're really comfortable with technology. But I think, I mean, one thing that stood out to me, and he was talking about it very much kind of from the engineering point of view, but that idea of essentially evaluating ideas and not just assuming something fits. Kind of there is that process that sure an engineer will go through, but even as an entrepreneur, a course builder, you need to be going through with any piece of technology, anything that you want to add to your course around like, yes, this is really cool, but how does it actually fit in and how will it work here and does it actually help? Yeah. So not looking for the latest shiny object, but thinking about what's really going to be meaningful for your learning experience. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like ChatGPT has been that to a certain degree and can be super helpful, but also, again, unless you're comfortable with it and never, you don't want to shoehorn stuff in, you want to focus on the things that you're also good at. I, mean, I guess what it, what it points to is, I think course creators are often kind of looking for what is the exact like playbook or roadmap to follow. And that's understandable because you want to know like what to do and to do the right thing. And there are areas that are more established where we can kind of give you that playbook, but the world is changing all the time. <laughs> and so it wasn't that long ago that online courses themselves were an experimental thing that you had to kind of push yourself to experiment with. There were a lot of rough edges at first if you wanted to catch that wave. And so now that online courses are more mature, that way it is kind of crested. Like it's time, I think, for people who want to stay on the leading edge as creators, as thought leaders, as providers of expertise and coaching to start experimenting with, okay, what is coming next? And it's not necessarily AI alone, but it sure seems like AI is going to be a part of it. So it will certainly people who get comfortable experimenting with it earlier will be in a better position to ride that wave whenever it really begins to develop momentum. Yeah, and I think so 100% related to AI as well as being on that kind of bleeding edge as far as everything and not just technology. I mean, whether that's teaching methodology, whether it's you know anything in which any place that you can innovate within your industry, it's absolutely critical to experiment and not just become one of the many. Yeah. So that I think is, is an important takeaway. It is just natural right, to want to follow what are the established practices and like kind of stay in, in a lane or a groove. And that is fine as like a core piece of what you're doing. And like the more that you have some secondary experimentation outside of that, you know, the more you'll be able to adapt in what is always a fast changing world and potentially is set to accelerate even further. I mean, it has over the past few years, or at least that's what it feels like. And so, yeah, 100%. Alex Price is the founder of PaceLayer 4X Technologies. To learn more about him and all he's got to offer, head on over to p4x.ai. That's p4x.ai. Or you can find him on LinkedIn as Alexander Price, P-R-E-I-S. Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Abe Crystal, co-founder and CEO of RZQ, here with my co-host, Ari Eni. Course Lab is part of the Mercy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Once Upon a Business and Making It. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Jeff Govertson. Cynthia Lamb is our supervising producer, and Danny Eni is our executive producer. 
If you don't want to miss the excellent episodes coming up on Course Lab, make sure to follow us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And are you enjoying our show? If so, go ahead and leave us a starred review. It really does make a difference. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. All right, who have we got coming on next week? Looks like it's going to be Jeff Cobb, Lifelong Learner. Oh, yeah, Jeff's great. Uh, I do him well. Uh, he's got a really cool book also, so that should be a good conversation. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. All right, are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind-the-scenes kind of thing. Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head on. I'm Melinda Cohen, and your host for this show. I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great frame. That's a, that's a really great way to think about it. Um, I think so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing to do with the other. So again, part of it is just, you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing. My favorite part of having the hard conversation is... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah, because we're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. And I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness. My desire for the show is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness, fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively. And we want to rise to that level. That being said, you do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them. People have to know a little bit about what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you. The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach. I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, 
matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording now. Why are you stopping the recording? This is going to be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.